Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host, per usual, Elliot Graybeard from Freelance Duck Hunting alongside me tonight. And Elliot, I got a story I've been waiting to tell you to the podcast all week. How are you doing tonight, Elliot? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm caught up reading the uh, Fellowship of the Duck Guns Facebook group comments for today's episode. I was almost not paying attention there, but... <laughs> Yeah. What's the story? We got some we got some good ones. So we got some good we got some good questions. We're doing uh you ask, we answer, and we do these I don't know, a few times a year. Uh we drop that in the Fellowship of the Duck Gun Facebook group. And you know, it's the time of the year where that group starts popping again and uh everybody's excited about duck hunting. There's a lot of activity and a lot of buzz and tons of people. I mean we dropped this like thirty minutes ago and there's I don't even know if we can hit up all the questions, but we'll try. We're going to try our best. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of them, um, but back to the story. So, Elliot, the story is going to be right up your alley. I'm sure you're going to love it. Um, but this this weekend was um, a, was camping weekend with the family. So um, I took my kid with me. She's three. She'll be four in October. So she's almost four. Still, you know, a little a little kid. And little uh, brookie, little brookie. And I don't, I'm always trying to do things. I, I don't even know. Like I'm trying to like, um, I don't know what the right word is. I had her sleeping in a hammock. So, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, I mean, we do it in the backyard. She loves it, you know? And so the first time camping overnight and got her in the hammock, she fell right asleep. Super proud of her. I go to go to sleep about like midnight and she's still sleeping good. Then about twelve thirty, she starts crying. I'm like, oh no! Like, um, and are you, you're in a hammock, also, right? You, yeah, she has a hammock, and you have a hammock. Yeah, we're we're both like, uh, there's three trees, and you know our hammocks are on one of them together, and then they go off to separate trees. So I'm like mm-hmm. right next to her. Um, but anyway, she starts crying, so I get up and I hold her, and and she gets she lets out like a guttural belch. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound good. But I get her calmed <laughs> down, and I lay her back in the hammock. And like she was really warm, you know. So I'm like, maybe that sleeping bag's too much. So I gave her my blanket, and because it's a lot lighter, so she used my blanket. So I just got in my hammock now with nothing. <laughs> but she, she wasn't, you know, she was really, really warm. So I was trying to make sure she wasn't, you know, overheating or something. But 30 minutes later, same thing. I get her out, guttural belch, and I'm like, that almost sounds like she's throwing up in her mouth, you know. So. Yeah. I'm like, do you want to go sleep in a tent with your cousins? I thought maybe it was the hammock making her sick, or I don't even know. But I'm just like, let's try something else to get through the night. She goes, and she sleeps in the the tent with her cousins for like another 30 minutes, maybe an hour. And again, she starts crying. So I get out of my hammock. I go get her out of the tent. And sure enough, I walk around in the dark there and she throws up onto the ground right over my shoulder. <laughs> so, Oh man. So yeah, it's like, Oh, so like, what do I do? It's, it's like three in the morning, pitch black. We're in the campsite. Everybody else is sleeping. I'm like, let's just try to make it to morning. I'm like, okay, hopefully this is like, I thought maybe it was like an allergy thing. She's allergic to milk and nuts, which is like, 
you know, it's super hard to, when you got all these other kids running around eating stuff and it's super hard to keep track of, like if she gets it or gets it on her or eats it, you know, then she could get sick like that. So I'm, that's kind of what I was thinking it was. I'm like, all right, well, I got her calm back down. <clears throat> Let's get her into the tent and um, good to go. <clears throat> so, excuse me there. So anyways, 30 minutes again, come, goes by and sure enough, starts crying. I go get her. She throws up again. I'm like, all right, we're just going to have to pack up and go. It's 3.30 in the morning, so I pack up everything, put her in the truck. You know, I'm taking hammocks off the trees, just, you know, packing up in the middle of the night, in the dark, and we drive all the way home. It was an hour drive, so get home at, like, 4.30, and I start walking up the drive with her, and um, she throws up down my back and on one of my shoulders. (laughs) switches shoulders because that one's wet now, you know, switches to the other shoulder and just does it again. So <laughs> oh, poor little thing. Yeah. I'm not talking about you. I'm not about her. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we got her, got her all cleaned up and in bed and she slept from like four thirty to like 6 PM the next day. It was crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so she wasn't, it was allergies. She had, cause I got it. Then I got it too. So I don't know if we got like the, the flu or something, I keep joking around saying I got the Delta variant, but um, <laughs> but it was it was like a flu. So we both got. So you've had the flu the last few days. Yeah, I was off work on Monday and like puking and stuff. I didn't puke. She puked. We both had um, you know other type of bowel issues, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. I slept pretty much that that whole time too. I mean, half that time she was like sleeping literally on top of my face. So. Um, oh, poor little bookie. <laughs> yeah. It was a rough weekend all around, but like I so said, so did you, I, I you know, think you woke everyone up when you were packing up the camp? I don't know, man. Nobody came out. So I must've not woke anybody up. Really? I woke up my sister because I told her that. So everybody else would know, like they wouldn't wake up in the morning and be like, why is, why is Jordan? Yeah, that's like, weird. Who <laughs> leaves in the middle of the night? So, oh man, that's not a good scenario. Oh yeah, just another fun day. I knew, you know, bodily, bodily fluids that would be up your alley. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I do so, like those jokes. So all that the prefects. If I sound a little nasally, I'm still getting over this. Um, and so is my kid. I've been sending you videos today. It's been a little rough, rough day in the house with all the kids yeah. getting Some over crying it. and screaming going on, crying and screaming. Everybody getting over sickness. So you know. Part it's in my house too. Different type of sickness, but the sickness is rolled through my house also. What do you guys got? I, well, it starts with a sore throat, and the sore throat on like day three gets progressively worse. Then the sore throat goes away, and it's like feels kind of like a low grade fever with lots of phlegm and mucus, and that hangs on for like Nevin's not my son. Nevin's not even over it yet. So I'm to the point now where today's the first day that I've felt decent. Uh, my sore throat's gone. I don't like Monday and Tuesday for me too. I was on just on the couch all all day those days. But I had those videos coming out, so it was like there was so much social media stuff going on. I didn't mind it, but I just couldn't get off the couch and do anything, and it just felt like crap. So this is the first day for me since like my sore throat started last Thursday. So this is a long, prolonged deal, but not as intense as what you know what you're experiencing. Mm. But my Nevin had it, Elijah had it, my dad had it, my father in law had it, and so I don't know what the I, I, I'm home for the summer, so I'm not like out in public a lot. So I haven't been tested for any type of, I don't even know what the Delta variant. It's the, it's the new one. It's the new COVID thing. What are the symptoms of that? 
I don't even know, man. I just the symptoms of it are you have to like double mask or something. I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> that's the symptoms. <laughs> I really, I have no idea. I really don't. But um, between you and everyone that's listening, honestly, hate me if you want. I don't pay attention to that COVID crap at all. I'm not. I, if I'm sick, it's something that's got like almost no chance of me getting critically ill on. I'm not going to run to the doctor because I'm fine. I'm going to recover and I'm fine. So yeah. I don't, I don't really care if it is that or not. It's a cold to me. It's a cold with a sore throat and whatever. I feel like, I don't pay attention to that. Garbage. I feel like the country is just kind of over it to be honest. Well, half of the country is over it. Half <laughs> of the country is not over it. You're right. I saw a lady jogging with a mask on yesterday. Yeah. Like lady, it's- you're by yourself jogging there. What are you doing? I wanted to like maybe it was a, like resistance training, you know, like have to build up the lungs or no, it, it no, yeah. it's some dumb liberal lady being self being virtue signaling on her jog. <laughs> Look, all you Republicans, we, you should wear a mask. I love people. I'm wearing a mask jogging. <laughs> Idiot. You're not holding back, man. No. <laughs> Most of our listeners are conservative. I wouldn't, I would not, honestly, I would not call myself a Republican. I was a card carrying libertarian for quite a while. I, I'm definitely conservative, but I wouldn't subscribe to being a Republican. Most of my adult life, I've voted libertarian, but I've got issues with. So I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to get into it, but I'm not <laughs> super political at all. I prefer to live my own life and worry about everyone around me and try to be the kind of man that God wants me to be, which is hard enough without worrying about every dumb little thing that's on the news that you probably can't even trust anyway. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It is kind of weird though. Kind of going back to, you're saying like half the country and it's so easy, like in, you know, our little bubbles or whatever. And I don't, I don't know how your community is, but it sounds like you might have more, um, people that, that think about COVID and all that kind of stuff around you. But like we're at, where we're at in the small rural Indiana area, man, like I can't even remember the last time I seen a mask. I just can't yeah. like, like people and I'll hear that from people. Cause, um, with like the s- stuff we do with safes and all that, we'll have people come from bigger cities around, um, you know, the drive hour 45 or whatever. And, and they'll just be like, man, it's just like, it's crazy. The difference from a big city to come out here and, and, and the difference, right. That's just, everybody's mm. living their life. Like nothing's going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm rural here. I mean, I'm on the outskirts of Kansas city area. I'm in the outskirts of the Kansas city metropolitan area. So, I mean, as you get into the, the city, uh, it gets way more liberal. And when it gets more liberal, then there's more masks. And, but as far as my particular town and then in Kansas, the far, if you start going West, even in the like middle of the pandemic, we'd go out uh, middle part of the state and not wear masks. So, because there were some of those counties, you look at the mask and like, oh, in the whole county, there's like two people that have it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, and guess what? Those people are, what is their percentage chance of them dying? Oh, oh, it's almost zero. Okay. I think we're okay. Yep. A little math, a little, a few math lessons might not hurt a lot of people in this country about a statistical analysis of the danger of it. Yeah. I just hope they don't try to shut down duck hunting or something stupid. I can, I'm, I can see yeah, we're over that point. They haven't done it yet. They're not going to do it now. I mean, I'm, that's what I'm saying. They're trying to make another push the Delta variant to do shutdowns and stuff. That'd be, yeah. You know what I mean? Who knows? Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, let's, let's I've tuned it out. So I don't even know, but I, I'm the same way. I think most people have, that's why most people don't, don't know about it, but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's get a quick word from our partners, and we'll jump into these Q&A. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx. Onyx is the perfect mapping solution for checking out private land or public land, whatever it is. Um, on private land, you can click on taxpayers' information or the landowner's information. It will give you the, it will give you their tax information, and you can go right there to their address and ask for permission. The one-stop shop for that. And then as far as... Um, public land you know you can see the boundaries and all that right there you can download the maps have that good to go even when you don't have service you'll know exactly where you are and you can make good decisions staying on public land and and getting it done so check them out guys on x um you can use it on iphone apple android or on web and they all kind of link together as jordan and i and the duck gun podcast we are giving away a hunt weekend to where you can enter a drawing, and if your name is drawn, you can pick your best buddy and come hunt with us, and we're going to pay $400 of the travel expenses, and, and we're going to be making videos and putting those videos on YouTube. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun. If you want to get enrolled in this, go to patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting, and if you go there, there's a video on the front page that will give all the details, and you can decide whether you want to enter or not, and you can you can enter one Clear up to many, many, many entries, and all the details are over there. Patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. Man, we have had so many people come join that community. And over at Patreon, there are extra podcasts, extra videos, sneak peek videos, just tons of content you can only see over there. And I want to do a some shout outs to some new patrons that just joined recently. We've got T. Scott Vaughn, Aaron Gomes, Stephen Ferris. Matthew Gregson and Anthony Dawson. I just want to thank you guys for coming over to Patreon and getting yourself entered in the hunt giveaway and um, checking out what we've got over there. Awesome. Also like to give a big thanks to motion duck decoy spreader. We actually got a, a couple of questions already. I've seen in the Q and a for tonight about that product, but guys, it's the perfect for perfect solution for those no win days. Um, it, it breaks down and goes together in literally minutes. Um, you set it right there in your spread. It is a jerk rig on steroids. It puts ripples through all your decoys, um, lifelike motion. Don't just take our word for it. Check out a video. Elliot's got videos on his channel. I do as well. And you can see this thing in action. Motionducks.com. Use code DuckGun10 for 10% off and free shipping. And free shipping. If you are a listener to the Duck Gun Podcast and you know that one of our partners has been banded, Avery GHG, those three companies are all under um, the same umbrella and you watch our videos and you will see us using their gear all the time. And one really cool thing I, that I notice on the Facebook group is a lot of you guys are listening to how much we love it because um, we're seeing more and more banded gear in your pictures. And once you, I, I'll tell you, I, Jordan, do they have the new catalog out that for banded yet i don't think, i don't know if it's been publicly released has i don't it? know if it's been publicly released oh my gosh i you know before we partnered with them i mean i knew of banded and i, I used a g a ghg and i used avery but i knew of banded but man their stuff is so cool guys just go and take a look at it and see what you think um it's just great great gear and and so much fun to partner with them and I think you guys will love what they got. Season's almost here, so you might check it out, banded.com. Or if you're at Rogers or 
I don't know what all vendors sell them, but look in when you go in, into different stores, just, look around because just those about vendors every, sell them. everybody. Yeah. It's, yeah. Does Cabela sell? I, I think so. I would think so. Yeah, probably so. Awesome. All righty. Let's go ahead and get into today's podcast. Before before we do that, quick word though, quick quick thought. Um, Elliot, have you been seeing the uh, the the start of the meme battle? Yeah, I have. Are you getting a kick <laughs> out of it? Between you and Matt? Yes. Between yeah. you and Matt? Yeah. I don't know if I've missed any or not. I, the last one I saw was Tim Cochran's entry into the meme battle. Oh, you missed I don't know if there's been you any missed mine that, from yesterday. Huh? Which one? What was it? Um, it was like a, I did a mock-up of his thumbnail, but, um, you know. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I did see that. <laughs> that was, I, you actually got me on that. I thought that was real where it said flair on it. Like, <laughs> I thought it was real, Jordan. Uh, you, you got me on that one. <laughs> so I took his thumbnail from that day, and like he uh, he blows up the bird a little bit. So I made like the bird like massive, which I understand why you do that. If you put the you blow up the bird just so it's a little bit more visual when people yeah. look it up on YouTube. But I made like I'm like you know making fun of what he does. I make the bird like literally like dinosaur size coming in, <laughs> and he's got like question marks on like because he's got a secret guest and so. Uh. I, and then I changed like the number, the number of uh, episodes because he hunts like a hundred times a year. So uh-huh. it's hunt 217 and <laughs> <laughs> all hell high prairie sportsman, the clickbait king. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. I, uh, I saw his that video on his YouTube page and it didn't have the flair name on it so then i was like oh jordan did that <laughs> i was like dang matt because i was like you really went for the click thing <laughs> who was the special secret guest on that video of his uh is his buddy Devin? okay because he's a he he was a regular on the videos at one point yeah he was yep yeah that guy can shoot, man. Jordan, that Devin guy. And a lot of old Matt's old videos is like Devin's got his limit. And Matt's got like one bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You that you got to keep up on that war because everyone is fully enjoying it. Yeah, that's that's the plan. So we got a few, we got a few coming. We'll keep them rolling. So I know you guys. Matt, you can see those on Fellowship of the Duck Gun. Matt was already working on his next one. So, <laughs> but. Yeah, we'll keep them. We'll keep them rolling all the way through 20k race. Which reminds me, guys, subscribe to Duck Gun Chronicles so I can beat Matt to 20k. I need your help. And if you want to do a meme in the fellowship that's <laughs> targeted at Matt, you know, go at it. So, and while we're at it, I better I better plug Elliot Freelance Duck Hunting over there on YouTube as well. So, <laughs> yep, my videos have just begun. I put out a video on Monday. Man, did you see all the comments on my Izzy tribute video? Good God. I have not. Between Facebook and the YouTube channel, it's overwhelming. I was trying to answer as many of them as I could. And at, at some point, I just I just told my wife, I was like, I've given up trying to respond to people. Yes. Yeah. It's it's just too many. It's too much. That's awesome. So if, if you commented on that video, guys, it's my yellow lab Izzy died. And I had to put her to sleep and um, made a tribute video for her. So if I did not respond to your comment, I just want you guys to know, I appreciate your support and man, those comments made me feel so good. How much you guys all loved Izzy and it just meant the world to me. Awesome. Alrighty. Let's go ahead and jump into today's topic. So we got, we got the, you ask, we answer segment. One of your guys' favorites, 
ours as well because it's just we get to talk about a bunch of random duck hunting stuff. So Elliot, stuff you knows, I'm struggling a little bit, so I'm sure you, uh, yeah. I might have you. I might have you read some of these off to help me out. Um, but yeah, okay, here it is. Alrighty. So we'll just take them one at a time. Any new sponsors this season? So um, we got some in the works, I would say. We, you know, nothing, nothing set in stone as far as new, new sponsors. You know, I guess one one uh, new sponsor we've kind of added to the slot is the freelance hunt stat and the Patreon combo. We talk about that at the beginning of the podcast now. So that's new from other years. Um, so definitely check out all that. We got a lot of big stuff coming in the freelance freelance hunt stats world i don't know why that that's hard for me to say elliot but i know i've, yeah, I know I've messed it up a couple that. times but we really haven't talked about it much but we've got a whole leaderboard system over there now where it's like we're tr- we're trying to tastefully turn it into a competition at freelance hunt stats so where every bird has a point value and golden boy was actually the winner last year and golden boy won the whole thing so we're trying to kind of gamify it um yep and turn it into an app. So we got tons of good stuff coming. Yeah, just some fun stuff. It's really cool to see that and all that. And, you know, it, it is kind of crazy how people get get excited about seeing numbers and where they compare to other people and all that. And, again, like, mm-hmm. it's not all about the numbers, but it's cool to see it. So, you know. Yeah. All right. You want to read the next one? Do you have it pulled up? We're actually going to read this one? I thought we were going <laughs> to skip it. Okay, we can. All right. Now, Levi. <laughs> Levi's a good buddy of ours. Uh, will Elliot do the swimming trunks challenge? Teal hunt in his swim trunks and use camo face paint to paint his body. He can wear muck boots. No, he won't be, Levi. And you know that. That's You're lucky we even Is there like it. any backstory to that or is that just like a random? No. Comment? There's no. Okay. I figured... No, I think he's into the swimming trunks thing because he's trying to convince Josh to wear a Speedo. Because apparently at the Rogers um, waterfowl weekend, Josh is going to do like an hour at the dunk tank. And so Levi's trying to convince him to wear a uh, Masio Speedo. Okay. And uh, so I don't know. Like it's, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. No, that's not going to happen. I don't, do, I don't do challenge videos. Yeah. Okay. Uh, pros and cons to having groups of uh, groups on two different spots. <clears throat> Say two to 300 yards apart. Is it possible to work ducks back and forth between the two? Um, pros, well... I like to hunt smaller groups. If you have six people that want to hunt together um, on a public piece, I would be all for splitting up in groups of three. That's kind of what mm-hmm. we do on the the Flywest Collective hunts, unless we have like a banger goose hunt. Um, <laughs> then we all hunt together. But um, I, that's the pro to it. I don't know if there's any – like it depends how big the area is because most likely yeah. you're not going to be bouncing birds. You know, It's not like they're going to be bouncing back and forth between two and 300 yards. So – well, it depends. I mean, birds can work that big, can you know, two and three hundred yards. Well, I'm just saying, it, like, I, if it's a really big area, they're, the likelihood that they, when they go off of you shooting, that they're going to fly over to your buddy two hundred oh, no. yards away. Yeah, is, yeah it's super yeah. unlikely, unless it's like a really sure. small area. Yeah, but there are times. That question is just. I would say there's not enough information to properly answer the question. There are days in which. Now, ideally, if it's my friends, it obviously makes a big difference. But there are days in which it it actually helps to have another group or two in the area. And then there are days in which where I do not want any other group in the area. But, uh, dog. But I mean, if the ultimate question is, is can that be successful? 
the answer is absolutely yes, that can be successful. Ooh. And then there's no problem with doing it. If you have a group of six, like Jordan said, I'd rather split up into two groups than one of six. Two groups of three is better than one of six for sure to me in my world. Yeah. Okay. Um, next question. Uh, why y'all don't come hunt Louisiana where men are made? Well, honestly, I would love to hunt Louisiana. I've seen a lot of cool videos from there and cool kind of cool scenery. Honestly, that, that area is just a very historic part of duck hunting. So I would love to, at some point get down there. Um, you know, it's way better than, way better than Nebraska. It just comes down to time and money is all. I mean, you know, I would love to hunt lots of different places, Louisiana being one of them. Time, money, and contacts, you know. I mean, when we, when we go out of state, we we go to the next state over. I just don't have enough time off in my schedule to be able to, to go to Louisiana. And, and if and with, if and when that changes, that I have more time, I will make way – I promise you I'll make more trips to places yeah. I'd like to go. But just ever, time and money. You ever feel like life is just short? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You feel like, that way a lot more at 48, let me tell you. I bet. Yeah, I bet the older you get. Every year. I never used to think about it, and now I start to think about it. And and things like duck hunting, it's like, man, how many times can you make a Louisiana trip during a season? I'm, like, trying to think about my schedule. I'm, like, maybe once, if that. It's like, how mm-hmm. many, you know, how many seasons can you can you hunt, you know? And especially hunt as hard as I am and different, you know, different uh, parts of life or whatever. I'm, like, it, it makes you think about it when it's like, well, maybe I'll have in the next 30 years, I have 15 opportunities where possibly I could go to, to Louisiana, you know? <laughs> so, um, if I never hunt Louisiana ever, I will consider that a failure. I mean, it's certainly a place I want to hunt at some point. Awesome. And I'm not sure what he means by where men are made of. Um, I don't know if it's considered tougher. I guess, yeah, the, everybody kind of says it's tougher because the birds have to fly all the way down. Um, and then Elliot trashes them for thinking that. That's kind of how that's true. <laughs> Not true. A little bit. A little bit. There's a what? There's a well, grain of what? truth in there. What? Then tell me. Tell me what the where's the truth? <laughs> I think give you me, give me your that you say that you don't that you don't buy it necessarily, that it's just, that it it's that much harder in Louisiana compared to um, somewhere else in the flyway to finish birds or what be specific yeah to finish birds well no i've 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 kind of come i i've just tried to understand that idea and why that would be and i know i do think that i've i've come full circle on that because after being in arkansas and seeing the birds down there and i think what they're working with is perpetually stale birds yeah. Because the birds get there, and that's the end of their migration. And when birds get in an area, I mean, we get birds here that are every bit as difficult as birds there, but those are what we call our stale birds. And then they leave, and we get fresh ones. And fresh birds into an area right. are easier to shoot. So yeah. I just think they're dealing with more fresh birds or more stale birds than we do. Than we yeah, have. and the other thing is I, higher pressure numbers. You know what I mean? Um, sure. There's a lot of mo- there's a lot more people in southern louisiana than there than there is in mm-hmm. kansas to hunt and that we see that with titus in his videos and and what he has to deal with in the refuge system in california where it's just so many people you know so they kill a ton yeah, the, of ducks problem- but they just don't get them maybe the way that like you would want it you know cupping in and all that so yeah yeah 
they don't finish them as much. The the issue that I was trying to work out in my mind was everyone always said that their hard ducks are harder to kill in the south because they've had to fly this whole way and that doesn't make any sense to me because the birds that i'm hunting have been hunted the same number of days in the season as the birds that they are hunting in louisiana so that's what that statement didn't make sense to me for that reason if i when a bird gets to kansas it's still been hunted every day of the season right so i just had to figure out okay it it, it wasn't so much that i was saying that their birds aren't harder to they're not more finicky and harder to get at down there i just that that i don't believe that's the reason why i believe the i don't believe it's a distance traveled reason i believe it's the birds in the area being stale reason plus like you said pressure so okay <clears throat> want to read the next one are we going back and forth on these or what are we taking turns sure or? yeah let's do that okay um how do you think season will go? This is another one from Levi. How do you think the season will go? Predictions on shooting over 118 birds this season. A pretty specific number. Is that <laughs> the number of birds I shot last year? I think that's about right. That's, yeah, I think so, because I didn't shoot I think I had many. like 107 ducks and about 11. Well, I know all I know is that... Uh, knows my numbers. But. That even if, you sh- even if you have a good season and you shoot more ducks than you did last season, you, you won't shoot as many bands as Levi shot last season. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be accurate. <laughs> that would probably be accurate. I would never predict 100 ducks in a season. I would never predict that. I'll predict 75 plus looking at my numbers. And I think I'm actually due for a down season. I've had four really, really above average seasons in a row. And I'd like to think it's because we're getting better at what we're doing. But realistically, I'm kind of due for a, a down season. Last year, we hit a lot a lot of things right. Most people in, in Kansas last year did not do well. That's what you've been saying day. like every season. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. I, I know. I, I, I'm hoping that I'm just like turned the corner as far as the system of, you know, once I started filming hunts, we started putting a lot more effort into being successful. Um, than we did previously as far as scouting and, and traveling before I started filming, we were, we were more leisurely about it. Um, and now I try harder to have more success than we did then. So there's part of me that hopes we've just turned the corner and we're just way better than we were before. And there's another side of me that says we're due for a bad year. Yeah. You never know. Which last, I think is probably accurate. I think last season was my bad year because it was a bad year. So yeah. <laughs> it was rough. Yeah. But who knows? Hopefully, uh, hopefully this year I'm I'm looking good. I feel I feel optimistic because I, I just I got a bunch of different things I want to do. You never know how they're going to know. I I just know that I'm going to have fun either way. But I think I think that if I had to predict, I'm going to have a better season than last year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, tips on early teal season: a lot of decoys or very little. Any tips on hunting geese on a smaller river? So I'll hey, let you take well, the, you want me to do the teal and all, and you do the geese. Yes, that's exactly that, what I was going to say. I go for it. Not knowledgeable about that small river goose thing. Um, actually, <laughs> I was working. I'm going to make a video about this very topic, and just today I made a word document um, about this very thing. So let me just pull it up real fast. <laughs> I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. So, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. Sorry for my congestion. I'm, I'm still getting over this cold thing, but. So I just did some bullet points for this YouTube video. I'm going to go through them real fast. Um, ammo, I'm going to be using Federal 6s. 
their speed of 1550. You, there's also federal that's um, two and three quarter inch shells that are 1250. I would stay away from those. I don't think that as far as feet per second speed, I think that is where I would never shoot a steel load that's in the 1200s ever. Um, so that's what I'm using for ammo. I'm going to be using improved cylinder choke. I certainly would never go over a modified choke for teal. So improved or modify, I'm going improved. Decoys, I always use teal decoys. We use the GHG fall pack where there's no plumed colors it's just all brown teal ducks i do think that makes enough of a difference to use we typically use about four dozen is is what i like to go that's me personally a lot of people use less i like four dozen in my mind when birds see more birds they think the food source is better there so we like about four dozen concealment don't worry about it that much um we brush a little bit and we worry about it a little bit so think about how, what you need to do to get covered for mallards and back that off about 50 percent because and I'm talking these blooming early blooming teal are just dumb and you don't really have to have to um, conceal yourself very well. Calling um, the polk pattern teal call is the best teal call I have ever had in my hands and I have ever heard. And I can back that opinion up because when I was using the duck commander teal call, I never got contacted about how good my teal call sounded and where I bought it. When I switched to polk pattern calls, constantly people are asking me about this call. <laughs> Excuse me. So um, we need, I need to get a website for him out. Um, I don't have it offhand, but it's a Polk. If you just Google search Polk pattern teal call um, and sl- your shot selection is extremely important. Don't settle for pass shoot, pass shooting teal. Let them work. Let them work. Let them land. Shoot them in close. Our shooting percentage for teal is always much, much better than post teal. So get them in the decoys and shoot them close. Those are the, the quick bullet points, which I'll have a video coming out of that. In fact, I think it's like September 1 or so, right out in that range. Awesome. I will add a little bit on the teal. So Elliot kind of hit up, I would say, like the more seasoned hunter version of it. Like if you're a beginner on teal, um, I would say you can use like your your mallard hens, um, decoys. You can use like a dozen um, and like a spinner. Honestly, teal just loves spinners. You could use Mm -hmm. as many as you have, um, you know, (laughs) to an extent. But... Um, and you can, I mean, it, teal are, are pretty easy to hunt if you're in the right place. Um, and if you don't have a teal call, you can pinch down on your duck call. It doesn't sound as well, but all those to kind of say, if you're like the newbie on a budget trying to do it, Elliot's way is like the better way, but like to get like four dozen decoys and all that kind of stuff to build up, you know, it, it takes a little bit of investment and time to get there. So if you're just going to do it and you have no idea, just, just take your regular duck decoys and a spinner and go out there and sit in the marsh and, you know, and get at it. So, um, and then a little side note is it's kind of notorious people in till season uh, for shooting birds um, that are not till. So make sure that you kind of study your identification um, before you get out there in the real deal. And, you know, some of the States you can't, you can't hunt or you can't shoot till sunrise. And and, um, a lot of the, um, uh, high plain states like Kansas and Nebraska and I don't even know which ones. I just know those uh, off the top of my head. You can shoot a half hour before shooting light, but Wisconsin, Indiana, Michigan, you have to wait till sunrise. Not a bad idea Missouri for well. yeah. It's not a bad idea for um beginners, especially with the number of wood ducks we have in the area. So all those things to consider, you know, it's not worth trying to, you know, get your limit and and shooting some illegal birds or having to deal with the DNR and all that kind of stuff. Um, but 
geese on a small river. Honestly, uh, geese on a small river. I've been doing that a lot more this just in the last season, and I'm super surprised how well geese can get into a small river. There's not much different that you have to hunt them compared to like a big river. Um, so uh, geese on a small river, guys. I just had I just had to edit out a little segment coughing spell. So we're back to it. I put the last my last throat lozenger in. So. That's about how long we have left on the podcast, <laughs> because if not, I can't make it. Um, geese on a small river. I've started hunting them more more recently, um, that style, and I love it, man. It's super cool because they, I mean, they just let the cup in in such a different way than what you're normally used to um, in a field. If they don't have that much runway, it's almost it looks almost like a mallard the way they have to cup in, where uh, there's just a lot more of their wings flapping and <laughs> instead of just coasting, coasting in, um, at a lower approach. So, um, super cool. If you get that out there in rivers, um, you know, I run a lot of silhouettes, floaters, hunt gravel bars, um, late season. That's when I would check it out. Late season. If you have a late season for your state, um, gravel bars, that kind of stuff, just get out there, do your scouting, and figure out where they're going to be and then go set up there. So, and we've had some good hunts, even had hunts where you can hunt them in the evening and, and kind of figuring out their feeding patterns and all that. So I'm, I feel like I'm not really giving any good, good tips. I mean, I think the best tip is that, yeah, small rivers are awesome for hunting geese and just scout them out, find those gravel bars. Um, if there's birds not there, look for the sign. It's pretty obvious. There's a lot of poop, um, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. So. All right, Elliot, let's jump to the next one. All right. Brock Hardy asks, are you guys expecting to shoot less ducks this year, given the widespread drought conditions in the Dakotas in Prairie Canada over the course of the breeding season? Also curious if past season harvest totals have generally correlated to or with projected fall flight numbers. What do you think? Um, hit this one? Yeah, I'll, I'll hit it up briefly, kind of. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to affect me a ton in my area with the Prairie Pothole region. I know we got a lot of resident birds, and we don't have a lot of our breeding population coming from that area, although we have had droughts to the north of us as well, and that makes for worse, uh, worse hatches. So, yeah, there could be some some less ducks. You know, I would definitely say that there's probably going to be less ducks. Um, but I just have a hard time. Um, thinking if it's going to affect us. What do you think, Elliot? Yeah. Well, we are still... Now, my understanding is it's about, in a lot of species, it's about a 27% drop-off, which is significant. But the population sizes are still really big compared to long-term averages that they're predicting. Yeah. Which is crazy because, I mean, back in... When I was hunting in the early 90s, populations were really low you can only shoot two mallard drakes in my state and then um they've boomed and they've been on the numbers have been fantastic for decades this is the first year that i can remember a large number of uh, a large percentage decline like this i suspect to me well let me let me answer a different way when with all these huge numbers what matters to me is when the weather hits. That's the number one most important factor. 
So if the weather hits right, we'll shoot lots of birds. If the weather doesn't, we won't. I I suspect you probably won't really be able to tell. Now, if you have, if people have bad weather cycles and it's warm a lot, then maybe they'll blame it on that. But I mean, there's still millions and millions of birds and, and uh, I suspect it probably won't make that much of, of a difference, but We'll see. I mean, if yeah. we get if to me, if if we get weather that should bring ducks, and I'm like, man, there just doesn't seem like there's enough ducks, as many ducks as I would think there would be, then, you know, maybe I would blame it on that. But and and I we're gonna have hopefully I haven't contacted him. We're gonna try to have John Devney on here, who is a higher up with Delta, and have him talk all about the numbers and and. So this would maybe a better a question better asked after we talk to John if if he agrees to come on with us, which he normally does. Yeah, and I'd kind of say on that like I would think it's something like a ten percent. You know, I'm just this is like total bro science, but you know, um, if you think about the total like population, right, and then twenty seven percent decrease of this year's hatch, well, you still got the other birds. So even if it's like a ten percent difference in the number of ducks you see and the number of ducks you harvest, and you killed. 118 last year so you'd be shooting um 12 less than last year like that doesn't seem like it's not like you're gonna be like crying you know what i mean that is some good that is some serious bro science but that that point makes sense yeah i i don't think i mean we'll still shoot ducks this year yeah i'm just saying like if that's the way it affects it you know yeah um sure but yeah uh as far as um past seasons and projections i definitely agree with you on that i've had years where we've had great hatches but we've had really dry or like a cold front that pushed all the birds early on and then no weather you know for the rest of the season and that affects it more than the hatch numbers Alrighty, um ask elliot well first dennis said uh just just talk ducks and all and i'm happy so hopefully we're keeping you happy dennis doing our best here with talking about ducks. Um, and then Joel asked, uh, ask, ask Elliot his thoughts on the new mud motor. He got compared to the old one he had had for so long speed handling differences. Eck. So, um, I've got a video out on this also in a couple weeks. It goes, we, we bought a new mud motor and went with this whole process and I did a whole video and I'm really happy how the video turned out. And so some of these questions will be answered on that video, but we went from a mud buddy, um, 45 horsepower black death, and we got a go devil 35 horse. Now the, um, the mud buddy had a lot more bells and whistles. So it was automatic, um, trim. So, you, you know, you could raise the motor up and down on a hydraulic, I think it was hydraulic system. It had neutral, didn't have a reverse, but had neutral. The go devil, we went for less moving parts my dad neither my dad and i are very handy especially when it comes to um, motors and that kind of thing so our idea was is that we would go with less moving parts to hopefully there would be less small maintenance issues and so um what we did go down from the 45 horse to the 35 and honestly i think that our prop in the last motor needed some serious work so the speed we're getting is really really similar we've had it out i've had it out two three times now i think and we're getting right at 21 miles an hour with two guys two dogs um i think my dad said that the other motor he did see it at 25 or 26 at one point in time and we had that for 10 years but the handling with you know is a little bit more difficult with with this go devil it seems to 
and I need I need to actually reach out to some people and see because as you're running this thing, it pushes. So I'm holding it with my left hand, and it pushes in. So to keep a straight line, you have to constantly pe- keep force on it for some reason, and it's quite a bit. And so I don't know if there's some things that we can adjust or tweak um, to help with that, but that certainly is not ideal compared to the last one. Um, and not having it on the automatic on the automatic trim. So if you want to raise the prop a foot, you know, you just automatically do it and it's locked in place. And with with this Go Devil, you kind of have a a couple of settings. So it's definitely not as um, it, some of the options are lesser, but that being said, we are thrilled with this motor. I mean, it just runs awesome. It's powerful. It's strong. <clears throat> it's just, it's ran great so far. So we have zero, um, negativity towards the, the new motor. It's everything we knew that it was when we got it, but it is, that motor is a little bit of a downgrade because we just went more for a more bare bones option than what we had. Nice. All righty. Elliot. All right. Um, uh, Robert says, what is each of your longest road trip driving or riding to duck hunt? Mine will be the, the collab this year at like, it's going to be 14 plus hours. So that's not that far. Mine's only like six hours. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Six hours is my farthest. I went up to, um, up the Missouri river on the Nebraska, South Dakota border. So that would be my longest longest duck hunting trip i just with my job i just that's about it that's about as far as i can travel and i've got to take off two days to do it because i want at least um you know two days to hunt three when i go on a trip like that i want at least three days to hunt so i've got to wrap some days off around it so i just can't do any farther than that yep i hear you all right elliot my throat lozenger is um dwindling so let's let's go into speed mode here on these um we'll both only if if we read it and the other person doesn't need to add anything then we'll just skip to the next one so let's let's power through some of these the du podcast just came out with a 20 minute episode in regards to the huge amount of ducks that are on the Beryl forest not saying it will replace the losses from the prairies but it will lessen the hurt that's what that's pretty cool i definitely would think i'd, I'd want to tune into that one um i've never listened to their podcast so but that'd be cool to kind of hear about about uh, that area. I'm not very familiar with it, so I'll probably do some Googling after this. Alrighty, I'll let you jump to Cody there. says, any tips for field hunting geese for the first time? How many silhouettes should I get? I've recently acquired a little over 400 acres of ag land with bush and a few ponds. Excited to try to goose shoot. Get as many silhouettes as your budget can afford. Um, the more the better, but... I mean, if if you're out there and you do it for the first time, I mean, you you can shoot them over four or five dozen. I mean, you know, get what you can get and get out there and give it a go. Yeah. So, but I would say the more the better, always, especially with silhouettes. But get whatever you can afford and get out there and try it. You can shoot it if you if you're on the X and in you know you're not trafficking, it makes a big difference. So if you're trafficking, you need more than than if you're not. Yep, and I, I run about five dozen, um, and I'll be adding more to my spread this year, too, for the silhouettes and windsocks. Uh, Cody, oh, wait, no, uh, Dustin asked, uh, I think he actually, it's a statement. Uh, I finally pulled the trigger on a motion duct spreader this weekend. 
I went with the XL Ultimate Goose version. Have you ever used that one um, as compared to the standard set? So I have not used the Ultimate one for the Goose. So the Goose, I know they have wider, they have wider uh, arms to accommodate for the geese being bigger than a, a duck floater. So besides that, they're made, I mean, identical. So that's that's awesome. Um, you're going to love it. It's going to put a lot of motion in your set. And I have been wanting to get one for geese for a while, but right now I just run the, I just run the duck one. Um, and, you know, for, for me, most of the time I run for geese, it's on the river, so it's not as a necessity. If I, if I was hunting geese on ponds a lot, I would definitely already have that that spreader for goose. Matthew asks, any word on the 2.0 kayak line? I know he's talking about um, the Yak Gear one that I work with them. They, they came out with a 1.0. I did a video on it. Had a lot of flaws. Um, so they asked me to help them redesign. And with the whole redesign phase, I tested it last season, and this I loved it. I, I did not like the first one. I really liked the second one. And I actually talked to them last week, and I am not allowed at this point to give out any news. I will tell you that I did like the news that I got, but um, I did not get – I actually asked them, can I start talking about publicly you know, release dates and stuff, and I was told to just hold off and, and not do that yet. But um, it's it's a great product, and, and with the – um, whichever one Cabela's sell though the Cabela's Northern Flight Blind, which is a good blind, you just can't find it. So I expect this to be a good seller. So it's it's a good product, and um, you'll be hearing hopefully some news about it shortly. Awesome. Um, you uh, Corey asked you guys, you guys refer, or you guys referenced, referenced a duck whistle. I couldn't hear the brand name. Um, it is Polk Pattern Calls. That's the duck whistle we both use. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty similar to like a four-in-one. He does a little tutorial on his Facebook as well, kind of showing all the different ways you can make it. Um, I use like the Mallard the Mallard um, call, the Mallard whistle, and then the Till Peep, and that's majority of what I use it for. So um, yeah. definitely solid, way better than getting uh, plastic piece that you know it just looks way better when you have a classy looking whistle like he makes yeah yeah and you could pick it pick up the tool call on the whistle and he doesn't make a ton of them he's, he's not like a big duck call maker where he's pumping out thousands of them so just search his name and duck whistle or his name and your poke pattern calls teal call and see what search and see what comes up and maybe we should reach out to him a little bit and see what he's got coming up with that too i don't know is it my turn yes sir discuss some goose hunting decoy tips. What is your favorite waterfowl blind to chase? I'm sorry, your favorite waterfowl bird to chase other than mallards and pintails. Well, I think we already hit the goose tips. Um, I love blue wing teal. I love teal season. I just, I love blue wing teal. Um, I would, I love green wing teal too, but I would, I would probably be with you if we had blue wing teal to chase around here. Um, then I'd be with you, but man, one thing I really do look forward to is like the first two to three weeks of season, um, we get to chase wood ducks and then they're gone. And so, you know, all the rest of the season we can hunt mallards and geese. Um, and you can hunt those at the same time as the wood ducks too, but it's only those first two weeks of season, which kind of makes it feel a little special to have those wood duck hunts. And I know some people give it uh, a little bit of a bad rap because, 
wood ducks just don't they don't respond to calls as well as like a mallard does and that's why i think mallard is king you know just the way you can work them and you can find them in big numbers and big flocks and all over different types of habitat and wood ducks it seems like there's specific places you go and you got to be on the x and then you got to have your set right and all that and those hunts can be so much fun first light a lot of birds flying in there um and we can only we can only kill three. I don't know of any state that can kill more than three on wood ducks, but I don't know, man. There's something about wood ducks that's uh, one of my favorite things to do, especially those first two weeks of season. Alrighty, uh, what does Elliot? Why hate, does why does Elliot hate southern hunters? <laughs> See, I'm not I, the only one. <laughs> I don't. Well, there was that one video where I make fun of, um, well. I don't. Yeah, I, I absolutely do not. Um, so I'm. I full disclosure here. There are times in which <laughs> some hunters from the south, the attitude in which they comment and say things is kind of looking their nose down on states to the north as far as hunting goes. Um, that is how it feels a little bit. But blanket. Southern hunters that I do not like, not true at all. Joel Strickland's a Southern hunter, and he's a good buddy of mine. Love that guy. So I I don't care for hunters who have an arrogance to them that's distasteful to me. And there are times in which it seems like a few more of those may live in the South. (laughs) But maybe I'm wrong. I do not hate Southern hunters at all. Absolutely do not. I, I've got lots of friends that are Southern hunters. Well, some friends that are Southern hunters, but don't hate them at all. That's that's a good one. I feel like I but could... But you also do need to understand, if I'm joking, I'm joking. And, and people need to be able to take jokes. You know I mean? You know, Jordan teases and makes fun of me in jokes. You know, so yeah, if, 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 I, if I do something on a video, like there was one, I've got a Florida man voice that I do sometimes. Uh, and, and I've done it on a couple videos. If if I'm just understand that if it's a joke, it? just laugh. It's a joke. Let's hear the Florida man voice real quick. <laughs> like you can't say you got a voice down here in Florida. <laughs> you think that's bad in Florida? The mosquitoes are the size of bats. <laughs> now do something with like how ducks don't finish. <laughs> I'm gonna get you to how uh, no, I. I it just, you know, but I, I don't have, I do not have anything against Southern hunters. Honest, honest to God, I don't. Is in that, fact, there was a, there was a that guy that. Didn't, uh, is that why you didn't add Florida's um, national <laughs> bird to the uh, freelance hunt stats? Apparently that was just my own ignorance. I, I, I was just ignorant on that. But so there was a group that came up from Louisiana last year, the guys that brought me that and I know people from the South. See, okay, so I mispronounced this name and I, I got crucified for this. This is another another reason why I might come off like I, I don't like Southern Hunters. So there's this food down south I've never heard of. <laughs> and I tried to pronounce it and I'm it starts with a B. Jumble. I'm gonna say it wrong. Jumble. No, it's like Gumbo. I don't even want to say it because I'm gonna get so many emails Gumbo. of fire and hatred if I mispronounce this thing. That's what happens with people from the South. Is it so? Go, is it Bowden, Bodan, Bod? I don't know how to say the name, but it is the most <laughs> delicious thing in the world. So these guys contacted me, and they they came up here. I met them. I showed them some places to hunt. These guys were from Louisiana. They're Southern hunters. I was accommodating and nice to them, 
But I say the I, I say Bo Dan or Bo Dan or whatever is wrong, and I'm not cannot tell you the kind of vitriol I took for that. I mean, come on. It's the first time I've ever heard of the thing. Allow me to mispronounce it, you know? Yep. So I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Alrighty. So just a heads up. My throat lozenger is gone. So we're going to go till we still got some left, but um, we're going to go to I till uh, I, I get a, a coughing spell again, and then we're just going to have to cut it off. But uh, we still got a few left, so let's let's hit them up. How did you and Elliot first connect? This one's by Matt. Um, so, yeah, anyone he wants to know. Me. You, you stalked me. The first, the first video I ever saw of Elliot, before I even thought about I don't even know, like YouTube or anything like that. I saw Elliot doing this waiter repair with this like orange goop in the dungeon of his basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the worst quality video ever. And I really, yeah. I didn't even realize that till like, a, like a, probably a year later that your channel was even like a duck hunting channel because I wasn't even like trying to look up duck hunting content. I was trying to fix it. It barely my, was at that point. It I was, barely was. I was trying to fix my fly fishing waders and you had this video on there. And I bought the stuff. It was like garbage too, man. It, it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work at all. <laughs> I still probably have it. This is like six years ago now. So um, that's the first time I ever ever met Elliot. Then I gave, um, I gave you bad advice as your first experience with me. <laughs> then then I started I started searching duck hunting content on YouTube. Elliot was uh you know one of the earlier adopters of the vlog style. I watched your whole first season of of uh of your channel before i decided i was going to start filming my duck hunting and all that kind of stuff um actually i watched it before i duck hunted so (laughs) um that's crazy yeah that is crazy right so but yeah um and then from there i started filming videos and you started commenting on them here there uh a couple a couple of them not very many uh and from there, I think I emailed you and I said, Hey man, yeah, like let's make some content together or I can make some content for you. I was trying to figure out some way to collab and pretty much you said um that I wasn't worth your time. So um, <laughs> no, I was very kind. <laughs> you you were kind. I, you you were commented definitely... enough that I knew who you were. You had commented enough on the videos that I didn't like you weren't a stranger yeah. reaching it's out. It's hard to remember out. like way back then what it, what how the setup was and all that, but pretty yeah. much then from there, um, like fast forward to well, what you were asking was like, would would I want some help with some extra content? I was just trying to figure channel, out any like, way to collab because yeah. I was like, let's collab, yeah. or I can make content for you, or whatever. And so, like, I, I was polite, I was kind. Oh yeah, you kind. were definitely. I was. I'm just giving you a hard time. You pretty much you said no, let's not collab. And so, um, which like like looking at it, I mean, you had a big following. I had almost none. So. Um, well, I mean, you know, we get emails like that all. The oh, time. yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not disparaging at all. So that was yeah. that was kind of how, you know, I reached out to you and it wasn't really beneficial to you. So I was trying to find a way that it would be. But then I started the podcast. I had you on the podcast. I had some other guys on the podcast. Um, you know, a lot of people when you came on the podcast were like, hey, Elliot, you should have a podcast. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of people like planting that kind of seed. Um, and mm-hmm. then. Uh, I had actually thought about asking you to come on the podcast and then I decided to hold off just to kind of see like how it was going to roll. And then you messaged me like, Hey, what if I just became permanent co-host? And I'm like, deal. And, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, 
We've been rolling. I think that was like the eighth episode or ninth or tenth. So it was super mm-hmm. early on, and now we're at like 194, 95 or something like that. So, um, yeah, that's the whole story. Did I leave anything out? No. Well said. No, it's, and it's been great. We've you know, we've got three or four different things that we collaborate on: hunt stats and Patreon and the, the collective. And it's like the only thing that's separate for us right now is our YouTube channels, and that's even linked to the flyways. So yeah, it's like yep. And we you know, x amount of videos we weaseled your together. way in. <laughs> yeah. I did it. The long con. Yep. <laughs> I should go reply back to that email. Actually, I don't even think I use that email address anymore. So. I couldn't do it. Um, and then he asked, Matt also asked, how many cameras uh, have you used? How many different cameras? Man, too many to tell you. I've dunked quite a few in lakes and rivers and all that, too. Um, it's just too many to tell you. I think he meant different brands, like like the progression of your upgrades. Mm. Uh, what editing I software? Super fast on that. Sure, you go ahead. I started with the JVC Evero, which is about a $250 camera. I upgraded to the Panasonic HCV770, which is about a $500 camera. And then I upgraded from there to the uh, G40, the, the Canon Vixia G40. And from there, I upgraded just this last season to the Sony NX80. And then I've used some knockoff junk GoPros. I'll never use those. Um, and then I got the GoPro 4, then I upgraded GoPro 7, and now I've got, this year I'll be using the GoPro 7 and the GoPro 9, and of course the shot cam as well. Which I'm going to have way more shot cam footage this next year, because I got all my repairs made. Shot cam is a fantastic company, customer service wise, man. Nice. They are, in my opinion, shot cam and, and Mossberg, I've never been, those are the two companies that stick out in my mind. It's like fantastic customer service when I've dealt with them. Nice. And I use Filmora. I use Filmora too. So, um, alrighty. Uh, Jeremy asked, how far in front of cold fronts do birds push? Plan on hunting the first day, middle, or last day of the front or before the front hits? I'll let you take this one. Mm. Yeah, that's a hard one. It's definitely not more than one day ahead. You're not going to hit it two days ahead. Sometimes they come a day after. Sometimes the best day is the first south day after the cold front. It really, it's so weird. I have had one day where the birds hit right on the wind. I don't know. No, it was actually about 25, 30 minutes after the wind. So this, this huge front hit, I have such a fun day. Um, actually, this video is on Patreon because I, I filmed this video before I was even freelance on the year before. Um, it's on Patreon. We had shot, we, we camped out at this place and we had shot nothing all day. And my dad and my brother-in-law left at 11 o'clock and uh, 12 o'clock of a huge cold front was coming in and it had been mild temperatures. My dad, my brother-in-law got sick. He and my dad left. They had their own car at 12 o'clock. The wind switched and it went from like five miles an hour to like 20 from the North. And within 25, 30 minutes of this cold front hitting ducks just pulled in. I mean, they rode the front side of this thing and just came, it just came right in. I limited out. In fact, I had my limit. I called my dad on my phone and they were just pulling away. I told him I had limited out. It was the coolest thing ever. I need to go back and watch that video. It's such a cool, cool video. Um, And then, <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me, Matt Farmer told me this and I never really thought about it until he told me about it. And I've noticed it more. That on a real cold front, some days, sometimes 
you get the cold front and this is i've seen this with teal for sure um you get the cold front and you think they're going to be there it's an overnight cold front the next day they're not there and they should be and it's the day after so um it's who knows it's hard the, it's hard to gauge the best answer is that just to hunt all the days and you'll be good yeah so i i would say if you can hunt the day of the cold front like you get a cold front overnight that morning and the day after that in fact in fact if i had my way i would hunt the day of the cold front <clears throat> so if a cold right when a cold front hits or the next morning and the next three or four days I would just block out those days because that's when it's going to be good. <laughs> the fourth day is pushing it a little bit. Ducks will normally, once they arrive a place, they'll normally stay and rest at least three days um, before they leave. Unless it's over hunted, then they just push out to ponds. All right. Matt asks, um, are you ready to wax my chest after you meet me in the 20K race? And the answer that's is not yes. What it says. <laughs> the answer is I think, yes. I, I, I think you're going to get whacked, man. You, I don't know. I, well, I, let me t- let me take that back. Let me take that back because you got a lot going in August. I'm not going to count you out because you, you're. You, I'm not going to count you out. I, hey, I got some original content, man. It's way it's way better than fingerless glove reviews. So <laughs> he didn't really do a fingerless glove <laughs> review, did he? Uh, that was a low blow. That's an old video. Um, but did, yes. did he do a fingerless glove review? <laughs> oh man. Yes. So to to short answer that, <laughs> uh, we, me and me and Thomas always give him crap about that. Just just poke fun a little bit. <laughs> Can we find that and put that on the uh, Fellowship of the Duck Guns? Probably, I've never seen it. He will probably make it private if we do that. If it's not already, um, well, let's get it up fast before this gets on. <laughs> Seriously, um, I'm not joking. Find it. All right. Uh, Sam said, would Jordan want to come to South Dakota for a pheasant hunt over a dog and maybe a duck hunt as well? If the timing's right, man, South Dakota, um, is a dream location for me. Honestly, I was trying to do that for the chasing the opener series. Um, I I got a little bit of crap for not planning ahead well enough. You know, that's honestly, uh, you know, I'm not surprised I didn't plan well enough ahead to be honest, but I didn't, I just didn't realize you had to apply before July 15th. I literally called them on the day of um like that it closed so that kind of that, that was a little discouraging but we'll come up with a different plan um for that as far as like the rest of my year my schedule man i'm already tight this year on the schedule but you know just send me a message sometime maybe we can make it work i don't know like i said it's a dream location for me to go a lot of history there my grandpa used to hunt there over his english pointers and you know um it'd be pretty cool so uh ryan asks what are your thoughts on hunting the kankiki fish and wildlife area in indiana um you know that's kind of the 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 most well-known indiana location it's a draw spot and there's a lot of people that go there if you go for the draw it's like half the people leave if they don't get a good spot so um i've had i think it's a really really cool spot but it's really kind of frustrating um you know a lot of the local people and that's a good game plan i don't i understand why they do it they go in, they try to get a good draw. If they get a good draw, they can get a good hunt. If not, then they just leave, which makes it a worse chance for someone like me who has to drive two hours and going to hunt regardless. I get a bad draw because everybody else, you know, it's, I mean, but they leave anyway. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a weird way to think about it. So thoughts on hunting it. It's really cool, but you have to just, it's what you get. Like if you draw bad, then you're going to, get a bad spot and usually you're not going to shoot birds at all you probably get skunked so but if you get a good draw you can shoot a limit um but 
it, it's really a, I'm not a big fan of draw type hunts because it really feels like you're boxed in. You literally can't shoot unless you're in your blind at that location. So, and I understand why they do that, but um, I don't know. It's something that I am a fan of doing maybe once or twice a year, but not all the time. All right. I got no thoughts on it. I have no, I have no yeah, idea what it is. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, Hunter asks, why is ranch the best condiment and what what is the best food for ranch? I'll give you a weird story, man. Me and my buddy, Taylor, he probably is listening to this. I don't know if he still listens to the podcast. Um, my childhood buddy, he lived across the street from me. Um, and, like, man, we just did everything together. Super cool guy. He still hunts with me um, every once in a while. But we'd, we had this weird thing. Maybe it's not that weird. I don't know. But we'd, like, get tombstone pizza and we'd dip it in ranch. And that was, like, what we ate all the time. So I don't know if that's weird or not, but it's pretty good. Sounds good to me. Ranch is good with anything. Yeah. Okay. You want Give take- me those uh, fried pickles, man. Fried pickles. <laughs> like whole, like quartered big piece of pickle and ranch. I Fry like sucker up. Mm. I like uh, deep fried, well, mozzarella. Mozzarella sticks and ranch. So, all right. You want to take the next one? Would the Flyways Collective ever consider buying land to create content on and possibly take subscribers on hunts like you're planning for the Patreon hunt? Jeremy, we are so far away from anything like that idea that, I mean, you know, I mean, <clears throat> that it's just not even, not even the cards. We hope the Flyways Collective is something that continues to grow. And about once a month we get together and on uh, Zoom and we have or discord and, and talk and come up with ideas and, and things like that. And when we will be continuing to think of ideas of, of how to grow that, but and who knows what the, fo- that the future will, will bring. We'll see. Adam asked best tactic for hunting geese on water. What do you think? Uh, putting geese floaters on the motion ducks decoy system would be beneficial for overall hunt being they are large. So they are easier to see and move more water. Um, I definitely think that, you know, putting the geese on the motion duck decoy spreader is a good idea. Um, like I said, a lot of my goose hunting is on the river on a, on a pond or on a lake where you don't have, um, the motion already, you know, something like that to add it would be great. Uh, I wouldn't hunt without it. If, if it was a, a low wind day on geese, the same way you do it with ducks, um, you know, best tactics for hunting geese on water. Um, Ellie, you want to, you want to pitch in on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I've got experience with hunting them on rivers and, um, our best tactic, we don't do it until it's really, really cold. And typically there's ice on the water. We're talking about ice holes. So we just find where the birds are and get in there and sit up on the hole. Yeah. And sometimes you know, with the river, we'll also travel the river um, with our boat and, and, when you kick up a bunch of birds, try to set up. It's it's hard because when birds are on the river, or typically they're not there for a food source. So it can be more challenging. So if there's lots of birds in the area, you just get to a nice sandbar where you know that they like to be and set up a huge spread and, and traffic as well. So, yeah, you can have some hunts um, where it's just fire on water. Where mm-hmm. you get to the right spot, you find the spot, like Elliot's saying, or you've scouted out, you know it. Um, where they're going to be like one thing I don't worry about with geese is being there at first, like being set up at literally at shooting light. That's about the time I'll yeah. show up. So um, because you're going to end up, what happens is a lot of times um, same with Elliot, like we're hunting them later in the season like that, the geese on water um, and they, they go out to feed first thing in the morning 
or maybe they don't because it's colder. Um, but the thing is, it's all about the timing on that. And if you get out there for flight, mm-hmm. sometimes you got to sit a long time before they fly. Um, I've had days where they don't fly till noon. Um, you know, on, on super, super, super cold days, they might not fly at all, or they might not fly till three in the afternoon or four or five in the afternoon. So, you know, I would just kind of be aware of what they're doing. If you don't have any idea at all, you know, you just kind of go in there blind. So. The surprising thing to me on some of these river hunts, um, there's two hunts of mine from season three or four. I can't remember. In both cases, we're hunting um, ice ice holes or lots of ice on the river. In both times, there was lots of birds coming in right at shooting time or shortly thereafter, which was a surprise to me that you would get flocks coming into this group in these areas right at the beginning of the day. I, I I, I, I didn't expect that. I expected them to be, you know, going out and then back, but not lots of birds coming in. So I don't know. Get out there and set up a spread and try. If there's birds in the area, just go do it. Awesome. All right, Elliot. Well, we made it through the sick podcast with, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of coughing. Feeling. and <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, guys. We made it through, though. We made it through all the questions. Um, you know, if you guys drop any more in the fellowship, we'll try to we'll try to hit them up um in person but but yeah that's all we got for today i will say elliot while we're sitting here matt just dropped another meme for the meme war so <laughs> did you, i gotta go see that did you see it hey guys yeah yeah so make sure and come join us at fellowship of the duck guns to see the memes no i have not seen it yet i want to get your reaction just just hop over there real quick and then we'll close out <laughs> Oh man! I don't. Uh, oh yeah, that's that's the current winner. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> you're you're pretty built and trim in that picture. I gotta say. Yeah, that's uh, yep. Tim Cochran did one too, but oh well. Oh, that's hilarious. Alrighty. Oh yeah, Tim Cochran's is pretty good too. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you've got to get to the photo of the duck guns to see these. And make sure you answer the questions if you ask to join, because it helps us to accept you into the group. All righty, oh fellas. I can't wait to show my wife those. <laughs> all righty, fellas. That's all we got for today. I'm Jordan, Duck and Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duckening, and we'll see you guys on the next one.